Welcome to this week's episode of the Marked for Eternity podcast, where we bring you biblical truth on topics such as marriage, family, and ministry. This episode is made possible by the Ultra Global Partners. To find out more information about the Ultra Global, please go to thealtraglobal.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Here are your hosts, Jeremiah and Paul Johnson. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're back in the studio. Paul, thanks so much for joining us again. You know, we're having this great conversation concerning the fivefold ministry, seeking to help encourage people on our journey to maturity, to unity, to the equipping of the saints. In, in uh, the episode uh, from earlier, we had talked about apostles and prophets, teachers and pastors. I know we're going to get to evangelists here on today's podcast, but I want to go back to Ephesians 4. You know, so many people, they just don't, they, they've never heard this. I mean, I, I, I confessed on the podcast, I went to a spirit-filled Bible college and paid the, the best money you could pay to prepare you for ministry and never heard one teaching on fivefold ministry. So I don't, maybe you're here and you're from more of a cessationist background. I even think though, Paul, there are a lot of people who claim to know the Holy Spirit. They go to a spiritual church, but the, the, the likelihood of them just encountering a pastor 24-7 and maybe having misunderstanding, maybe reservations on more ministries than just a pastor is probably prevalent. So Paul, Take us through your thought process, Ephesians 4. Talk to our listeners today uh, for, for where you're coming from. Yeah, Jeremiah, so the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, each of those ministries uh, carry a unique grace given by Christ that they are called to impart to the church through training, through equipping, through exampleship, through love. Um, the fivefold ministry is given to equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. If I could make it really simple, uh, just give a brief crash course. If you look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, I teach this as a five by five by five. And what that is, is it's the five ministries, the five um emphases, and then the five results. So you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That's the first five. And they are given to equip the saints for the work of service. That's one. To build up the body is two. To unite the church in faith. That's three. Number four is to know to the full uh, full knowledge of the Son of God is four. Five is to mature into Christ's fullness. So those are the, the five... Um, aims of the fivefold ministry. And then there's five results that happen. And um, that's maturity, stability. We're no longer children tossed uh, here and there by the waves, by every wind of false doctrine. We have truthing it in love. Uh, I know many translations say speaking the truth in love. Um, but the, the verb there in Greek is, is truth. And we don't use truth as a verb in English. It's only a noun. So aletheia 
is the Greek noun for truth, but here in this passage it says aletheuo, using truth as a verb. So it really shouldn't be translated speaking the truth in love. It should say truthing it in love. All of our lives, not just our speech, but our actions, our motives, our morals, everything about us, our intentions should be in the truth. So you have maturity, stability, truthing it in love. Number four, the body's fitted and held together uh, by that which every joint supplies. Number five is functioning together. Uh, That's what God wants and God desires. So you have the five by five by five. You have the five ministries, the five emphases, um, five actions, and then the five results that take place. So, um, you know, I think it's important again to emphasize the law of possession here that you cannot give away what you do not have. And so really having and possessing a revelation of Jesus Christ for yourself, um, a desire that's birthed within you where God has encountered you and revealed himself to you, then you're able to transmit that or impart that to others. And it's not just a theory. You know, I think people graduate from, let's say, Bible college like we did, and there's a lot of information, but I believe information becomes revelation through encounter. And I think even in this discussion, I would want to warn people from truth without transformation or facts without fascination. Um, God wants to fascinate us. He wants to, to wow us and awe us with his character, his nature, with his heart, so that we can truly love and equip and build up the body from a place of love for the bride and not just using her to get our needs met, using her, uh, using ministry to find out who we are, which is a very dangerous, slippery slope, something we should not do. Because Jeremiah, I think you know that if, if you don't know who you are and you get into, let's say, quote unquote, full-time ministry, the ministry will define you and then it will eat you alive and lead you to shipwreck. Yeah, this is why the ministry is not a career, it's a calling. Amen. And I think because a lot of people treat ministry like a career, they send in their resume, you know, they, they try to draw from, this is what I've done in the natural to earn this, rather than no God called me right. and if God called me he he he'll give me his grace Paul I, I appreciate your thoughts even from trying to go from information theory to actually some kind of manifestation you know I, I graduated Bible college and was taught more of a a, 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 a set man a pastor does it all and then you sort of have a staff. I, I had that education, but the further I read the New Testament, I was convinced of the fivefold ministry of team leadership. And so even when we planted Heart of the Father ministry in Florida, being convinced that team leadership was the way to go, even from the, the, the outset of planning our church, I refused to preach every Sunday because I knew that if we didn't have some kind of preaching rotation, if we didn't have multiple leaders pouring into our body, we were never going to reach fullness in Christ. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is 
there was incredible resistance that came from people who desired to receive from one person. I mean, there are, there are listeners listening today who, who would say, you know what? If my pastor isn't in the pulpit every Sunday, well, I'm not going to that church. And we're, we're totally challenging that paradigm. Yes. We're saying, thank God for the faithfulness of a pastor, but if there are not other ministries involved, there's no unity, there's no maturity, there's not a whole lot of other things. And on, and on the flip side, I'm certain there's at least one pastor listening today thinking, if I actually embrace the fivefold ministry, I would probably lose my job because people would no longer come here and buy into the fivefold ministry. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's where the church has become an organization rather than an organism. You know, instead of a body, it's a business. And I think John Piper said it well in his address to, uh, I believe it was thousands of pastors. He said, brothers, we are not professionals. And he was trying to address the professionalism that has crept into the church and into ministry. You're talking about it being a calling and not a career. You know, if you're seeking to make a career out of ministry, then I think you're seeking to use the church to get your own needs met. When when you're called by the Lord, you know, I've had the experience of being in full-time ministry, then God calling me out of it. I went back to waiting and serving tables, and then I worked at a, a nonprofit organization. God promoted me as a supervisor miraculously 10 weeks after I started, brought his blessing and his favor. I was never not in ministry. I will always be in ministry because it's not something I do. It's who God has made me to be. It's what I, I just love the church. I love people. I want people to know Jesus. So where we draw a paycheck from, I think is far more insignificant to God than we realize. And we put so much emphasis on that, on getting paid to do ministry, that I think it's a part of our entitlement and our consumeristic culture where we view people in two classes as those who are in ministry or those who get paid to do it. And I guess the rest of you are, you're just supposed to watch people who are in ministry minister. And all of that is dysfunctional and has contributed to bring the church to the weak point that she's in today. Yeah, that's such a a great point. And as we're appealing to the New Testament as our foundation, Paul himself was a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter. Uh, I think that the scripture is clear. You know, if if we can, uh, you know, those who labor and at the preaching and teaching of God's word are worthy of double honor. Yep. I believe where they can be paid, they should be paid. Yes, yeah, so you should but, make but, a living from the gospel if but, you can. But there's thousands of people out there, literally. they It's like they won't do the work that God's called them to do unless you give them a full-time salary. And I just think that that kind of mentality can be so toxic to the body of Christ. Would you agree? 
Yes, I mean, Lydia was a maker of purple fabrics. Um, you know, they were uh, supporting the ministry of Jesus. Again, we're not saying that it's wrong to be paid for full-time ministry. It's a blessing. That's the point. It's an opportunity. It's a privilege. It's not a right. We're not entitled to that. If God has called us and he opens a door for there to be compensation, we should consider it a deep and profound blessing and honor from God, not something that we are entitled to because we have a degree or we're educated or, um, you know. And do you think this is part of a, a problem in the West? I mean, what about China? I mean, what, 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 about, what about other Africa? I mean, what about other parts of the world where people feel called to the minute? There's no money for ministry. Correct, yeah. It, it is... It, it is strong evidence of our consumeristic, individualistic, professional culture and how ministry has become a career and not a divine calling. So do you think it's a fair statement to say if you need money to be in the ministry, we should at least question the motive? I mean, what what what, what would you say? I mean, if you if you took away your salary and you would say, I'm no longer going to be preaching. I'm no longer to be pastoring because you're not paying me. I mean, what what would you say? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I have a friend who uh, ministers at a large church of uh, over 50 staff members, and the question was posed one day in their uh, staff meeting, if you were not paid would you still work at the church? And he said there are about 50 staff members and there were only two people, himself and one other, who said, yes, I would still do this if I wasn't paid. That is a... Um, that just floors me. That's awful. That is egregious. Um, that is the exposure of the hireling culture that is in the church. You know, if you look at John chapter 10 and talking about the fivefold ministry, I think this is important for people to have the right motives when it comes to maturing and equipping the body. You know, Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd who's not the owner of the sheep beholds the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. In verse 13, he says he flees because he's a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. But in contrast, Jesus is the good shepherd. Well, you have people who are hirelings who are there just to get paid to collect a paycheck, and if the money dries up or if things get difficult, there's challenges, they just run or, you know, I know of one brother who things got difficult. He quit and he ended up at another church just down the road some months later. And that is a part of the cancer that's going on in the church. Wow, this is so great. I know we're talking about fivefold ministry, but we're also talking about a hireling spirit that has crept its way into the church. I think God is exposing motives Paul, we talked uh, earlier uh, about um, apostles and prophets, teachers and, and pastors. We didn't hit a whole lot on evangelists. I know from my perspective, Paul, evangelists are, again, as I mentioned, you kind of have camps who love apostles and prophets, not sure about pastors and teachers. Then you have pastors and teachers who are not sure about uh, apostles and prophets. 
What about the evangelists? They, they kind of seem to be a ministry that we're not, you know, it's like, yeah, go do the outreach or go to the mission field, but what role might evangelists play in, in the kingdom of God in his house? Yeah, so evangelists have a burning desire to see people come to Christ. They're, and we should all carry this, right? You know, I, I believe that, um, you know, God hasn't uh, called us all like Billy Graham, but he's also not called us to leave it all up to the Billy Grahams either. You know, we have a role in uh, going forth and, and sharing the gospel and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a part of the Great Commission of Matthew 28, but there are, again, evangelists who are uniquely graced and highly gifted where there is a an ability to win souls, to, to bring the lost to Christ. They have a revelation of the kingdom of God, of salvation. You know, evangelists are powerful communicators of here's what Christ has done. They're going to preach the death and resurrection of Christ. Um, you know, they're going to draw people into the gospel story into the love and truth of what God is doing and, and people are pierced and pricked in their heart and they surrender. Um, evangelists will lead people to repent, give their life to Jesus. You know, they're kind of like... Um, you know, they're, they're kind of like uh, midwives in a way where they're birthing and bringing people in. You know, they're, they're causing the kingdom of God to multiply and they're populating. I think they should be connected to a local ministry. You know, it's a, it's a mistake that I see um, evangelists are, are, there's kind of two ditches for evangelists. Uh, the first is that evangelists become pastors because it's, um, you know, the model of ministry that's in a America, where if you feel a call, you become a pastor. So you have evangelists who are really incredible soul winners who get trapped behind a desk in an office or in a, in a counseling way when God has really called them to be among the lost and they're at their best. They feel most alive when they're sharing the gospel with sinners. You know, I see them make that mistake, but then I also see some evangelists who get tired of winning people to Christ and they, and, and those whom they one are in a lukewarm church and the fire goes out and people depart. So then that's how they start pastoring because yeah. they're frustrated or they're in a parachurch kind of ministry with no real connection to a local house. You know, I think it's merging the two of those together that's important for evangelists. But um, Philip in Acts chapter 8, that's the most explicit look that we have at Philip the evangelist at his ministry. We see him go into Samaria. He preaches the word. It says he began proclaiming Christ to them and the multitudes were giving him attention. Uh, they saw the signs that he was performing. He was casting out unclean spirits. They were coming out with a loud voice. Uh, the, the paralyzed and the lame were healed. There's a powerful miracle ministry that's happening here through Philip's life. And then when uh, the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they send them Peter and John. And then you see the evangelists and, and apostles working together in what God is doing in Samaria. It's really a beautiful picture there of some of the fivefold ministry working together. Yeah, th this is so great, Paul. And again, just appealing back to my own experience, you know, the leadership 
leadership team that we began to develop at the church that we planted down in Florida, we began to identify some of the fivefold ministry in our midst. But I think that that evangelist, I know for us, we didn't have an evangelist on our leadership team, but we had an evangelist in our congregation who worked a secular job, loved outreach, took people on mission trips. But for us as a community, it was important for us to allow this in individual, I'd invite him to come preach at least every every quarter because he would be injecting our body right. with the ministry of an evangelist and stir up a heart for souls and things. But one of the things that we talked about earlier, Paul, is a lot of people, they criticize pastors and say, well, wh- well they're not about the lost. And one of the challenges with this is if you look at the grace of a pastor, the grace on their life is not to win the lost. The grace on a pastor's life is to help care for and nurture the saints. So I think that there's a lot of confusion out there where we're trying to take individuals who have a certain call to a certain ministry and then place the burden and responsibility that might be on another individual. And rather than working together as a team, building teams, learning how to empower and equip others, we just try to either do it all ourselves or we allow people to tell us what we should be doing. And there's just a lot of confusion surrounding this. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I want to try to give some distinction between the fivefold ministry, just, just for ultimate clarity for people as best we can. You know, this is an often talked about uh, discussion depending on where you're from. There's, I think there's a lot of confusion about the fivefold ministry, but, you know, when we're talking about apostles, we're talking about foundational people who have a revelation of Jesus. Yes, they're evangelistic. They walk in signs, wonders, miracles. Those are the, the signs of a true apostle. There's a, a fathering component to apostles. They're burdened for maturity. They're wise master builders. Um, you know, they're they're called to lay hands on people and and people receive the Holy Spirit. The apostles appoint church government. Uh, they have a traveling extra local component to them. They they're fathers. They model and example Christ. They carry the heart of the Father for the church. While prophets are also foundational. Prophets often have a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift, distinguishing of spirits. They carry a vision for the body, uh, their burden for the wider body. They, they have the spoken revelation, the word of the Lord that comes upon them, sometimes spontaneously, sometimes it's more premeditated. We also see like Judas and Silas in Acts 15, 32, they're traveling. Um, you know, Agabus is a, another prophet in Acts 21, 10. Um, evangelists, we talked about them at length on this episode. You have shepherds and teachers who are guarding caring for the flock. Um, Shepherds are intimately involved in the issues of people's lives. They're burdened for healing, for wholeness. Um, 
They really feel the pain of people. They're able to empathize. Teachers have an understanding of the written word of God. They're uh, great uh, Bible teachers, explainers. They, they want to um, explain, expound, extrapolate. Many teachers are given to apologetics. There's a defense of the faith component there that's really powerful upon the teachers. And again, uh, prophets and teachers are seen together in Acts 13 at Antioch. Um, I, I want to share share just, I have these verbs. Um, there's a hundred of them. And I don't want to wow. overwhelm anybody. So I'm just going to share a few of them. But um, the, these are what I call fivefold ministry verbs. And these just kind of give you a, a brief distinction. Uh, these aren't perfect. They, they could be expounded upon. But just to kind of read you, uh, again, there's a hundred. So I'm just going to go through like the E, F, and G. All of the verbs start with a different letter. But apostles established establish, prophets exhort, evangelists expand, shepherds embrace, and teachers explain. Fathers, uh, sorry, apostles for the F, apostles father and found, prophets forewarn and foretell, evangelists fetch and further, shepherds feed and feel, teachers form and facilitate, for the G, apostles generate and govern, uh, prophets gird and guide, evangelists go and gather, shepherds guard and give, and teachers ground and grow. Again, there's a hundred. That's uh, just a few of them, but I think that helps to bring distinction to the ministry so that we can have clarity about who's who and what's what. Paul, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate this conversation that we're having today. Again, I know, you know, two brothers, two church planners, two guys who are actively involved in fivefold ministry, traveling, writing, reaching out to the world around us. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. We're praying that uh, what we're talking about, diving into the Word, some of these relevant conversations concerning ministry are continuing to be a great blessing to you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the March for Eternity podcast as we seek to bring biblical truth to this generation regarding topics such as marriage, family, and ministry. We want to give a special thank you to our ultra-global partners who make it possible for us to release fresh content such as this in order to train and equip the body of Christ around the world. If you were blessed by this episode, make sure to go to theultraglobal.com forward slash podcast to listen to current and past episodes. God bless and thank you for listening.